Welcome to G.I. Joburg, episode 209, and we're calling this one Return of the Retro. Yes, retro figures are back, and uh, it's crazy out there, folks. But uh, before we get into all of that madness, uh, I'm Paul today, and I'm joined by my usual criminals. We're going to do it all in mic, Paul, just like you were starting us out with, because we're doing zero editing on this podcast. My name is Steve. Hello. It's Rob. Hey there. That's my variation. And with our powers combined, we are G.I. Joe Berg. Hello, everybody. Hello to the Berg Force. And yeah. Crazy times. Um, lots of cool stuff happening with toys. Lots of cool stuff happening in cinema. Uh, Steven, <laughs> you guys seen it yet? No, we have no. I believe it comes yet. out twentieth of August. At least that yes. was what they said while we we're still under level four lockdown. I don't know no, if that's was, changed. No, it was meant to be. It was meant to be the twenty fourth of July. And then yeah. obviously the lockdown happened and then they closed all the cinemas and then the looting or the looting had happened sort of in between all of that madness. Anyway, they stole the reels. And now <laughs> when I search Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes, the Origins uh, movie on New Metro's website, they don't have it listed anymore, but Stay Kinical has it, who previously didn't have it listed. So, uh, okay. So anyway, 20th of August, we'll be there, Rob. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude! I'll, we'll, I'll, be there. we'll 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 be on a phone call to each other so we can keep each other company. Oh, it's just a pity. I mean, the the last time there was a live GI Joe movie, um, live action GI Joe movie, a live GI Joe action movie. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's happening live, guys. It's happening live right before us, <laughs> like a s- stunt show at Universal Studios. What the world? Red no? lasers, um, blue lasers. <laughs> Flip. Anyways, um, the last time G.I. Joe took to the big screen, the three of us were united mm-hmm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a, a momentous occasion, and this time we are we couldn't be more separate. But hey, sign of the times, I guess. I just hope that it does come out and comes out soon because we've got people like holding their breath, wanting to know what Paul and Rob think about mm. this film. Of course, there are well, e- equal number of people, perhaps even more people, who wish we'd just stop talking about G.I. Joe movies altogether. <laughs> well, hopefully they can keep holding their breath for another, well, as of this recording, 19 days. Good luck, guys. And as, and as a consolation prize, we will also briefly mention uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation. Let me not get that one wrong before I call it He-Man Revelation. Oh, yeah, no. Don't you dare call it He-Man <laughs> And the monster. Don't Quick fire question, boys. Oh god. Quick fire. So excited. Quick fire question. You just uh, made me think of this right now with your holding of breath uh, test. Um, there is a G.I. Joe who found his way onto the team simply by virtue of the fact that he could hold his breath longer than the other applicants. Can anyone name the Joe? Mouth diver. <laughs> Scuba Steve. Oh, geez. I don't know. Cutter? Uh, wetsuit? Valiant efforts, boys. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if JD was here, he'd nail it. Shout out to you, JD. But no, it's Deep Six. So um... if you are indeed holding your breath, 
waiting for Paul and Rob's review of Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Well, Deep Six is your your prime your example, man. Yep, yep. Spirit animal. And then uh, I just want to check. Uh, there's also this other little series that came out in between all of this. Uh, Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom. Uh, also recently screened on Netflix, which I, I quite enjoyed. But I'm going to get into more of that just now. I just want to see, guys, did you get any cool stuff? Any new cool things? Whatever's toys, people, cars, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't received any new toys, but I did replace my Apple earpods or earphones. Not the AirPods, but the earphones, because they're finally dying after like three, four years now. And wow. to me, they're the best earphones on the market. I mean, ever since my first iPod in, I think, 2004, 2007, to me, at least, they've always had the best sound, the best bass. Um, yeah, so I finally got a new pair because the other ones were dying. Dying. They would do it. Oh. So you got some no new, new Hey, I can I can definitely sing the praises of new earphones. I love me some earphones. Mm, yeah. Mm. So I got some Bluetooth ones a while back um, because my phone cover keeps messing up whenever you like plug in earphones. My my phone <laughs> cover just sort of shorts them out. I don't know what it is because they don't seem to go in all the way or whatever's properly. Hey. I don't know. Hey, anyways, just, they're not working. Um, so like they just sort of shift to the left or the right. So I'm like, no, I'm going Bluetooth. And they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Got some JBLs, actually. Not that anybody cares, but that was a while ago. Um, but the, the boots, they, they, they have got good boots and pants. So I'm happy about that. That's good. That's good. I mean, yeah, I've tried a whole bunch of different ones. And the, to, to me, at least, the Apple earphones are, are the best ones I've, I've ever tried. Yeah, they they're just fantastic. fall out of my ears, man. Yeah, oh, they if, do. If they fit in your oh, ears, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't go running with them either. But anyway, whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Is... You live in Joburg. You've got to run away from a lot of things, I guess. Yeah, especially if you've got <laughs> earphones in. They go, hey, that guy's got a nice phone. He's got a phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, Steve, any cool toys? Anything happening there in Australia? Well, this last week, I guested on not one, not two, but three other shows. What fun. Whoa. Yeah, Madness. first up first up was my, my old seat at Talking Joe. It was their awards ceremonies, the, the Golden Joes, or we call them the Stormies now. Okay, old, uh, it's a long story. But uh, this was basically the overview, um, sort of retrospective episode where the guys and special guests, myself included, talked about issues 1 to 25 of The Devil's Due Run. And gave mm. out awards for like best redesign, best toy tie-in, uh, worst scene, stuff like that. It was good fun. And I would suggest anyone who is either familiar with Devil's Jew or loves Talking Joe or just loves me <laughs> to check out the episode. Uh, I'll put a link in the description. Um, shortly after that dropped, good old Chief, um, he's... He hit me up to, to talk about the Impel G.I. Joe trading card set. And I think and we flicked I through about... Yeah. Oh, you did. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good all-round sort of general chat, which happens to have these trading cards flicking by in the background. So, you know, it's always guaranteed to have an interesting time of it. And it was recorded the night before I saw Snake Eyes. So I, I had some very candid sort of worried opinions, um, which fortunately <laughs> weren't confirmed... 
Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think I can really say too much in the presence of you two guys without, yeah, without being I, that's a spoiler. Kind of where I stopped watching. <laughs> yeah, uh, you started talking I about forgive it, you. and I couldn't. <laughs> And I couldn't tell yeah. if you had seen it yet or if you're about to see it. Like, like I couldn't tell. Like, you did sort of mention, and I was like, "Oh wait, no, fuck! I don't want this." Is like spoiler territory. Uh. <laughs> well, Dude. it's an interesting. It's an interesting like um, time capsule because literally my thoughts are crystallized the night before, and then crystallized again immediately after watching it. If uh, those of you who caught episode 208 of this very same podcast, um, my buddy Zazel and I did a review of the film. Anyways, old nice. news. And then the third show I guessed it on was Saints on Cinema, YouTube channel uh, run by Mr. Tim Wilde. And we spoke about the top seven grievances that he had with Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, versus my top seven praises for that film. So I did my best oh. to champion champion a film that is receiving mixed reviews from even the kindest uh, of critics. So it w I had my work cut out for me, but it was wonderful to guest on the show. And Tim puts a pretty mean argument. Uh, if you want to catch that, and if you're at all interested uh, in some pretty decent debate with G.I. Joe in the background, uh, check out Saints on Cinema, link below. Boom. And this Excellent. past week, I've been mired in a little bit of a, an eBay debacle, gentlemen. Oh, uh-oh. Yes. Um, I, these don't pop up very often in eBay Australia, but when they do, you jump on it. I've been in the market recently for a swivel arm Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes 1983, version 1.5. The famous all-black figure. I figured... This is a version of Snake Eyes do, I do not own. I am definitely hot and heavy for doing a review on him. And hey, riding the old hashtag Snake Eyes algorithm couldn't hurt, right? Right? Mm. I had... It was on auction. eBay Australia. Uh, 70 Australian dollars, which is not a lot for this particular toy. I, of course, made an offer. I lowballed it because, hey... Every once in every while, they go for it. Because uh, no one else bid. It was it was a completely untouched auction. So I thought I might have been in with a shot at getting it for 50 bucks. Declined. 55, declined. 60, declined. And that's my three strikes. Uh, so I waited for the closing hours of the auction and hit bid. Uh, I didn't enter anything higher than 70 bucks and got it at the starting bid price. Woohoo! Yeah. I know, Yay! right? Winning. Oh. Winning yeah. until. <laughs> so, dun, dun, dun. these were the pictures on eBay, and they're pretty out of focus, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, yeah, those aren't very good pictures. Terrible pictures. So, the pictures are not great, and that would no doubt put off any potential bidders. I was very pleased at that fact. Before the closing bid, um, before the closing seconds, I managed to ask the guy for better pictures, and he, <laughs> he took a pair, and they still ain't great. Uh, still blurry, out of focus, and very distant. And it being a black figure, you need to put it under some good lighting, because otherwise you just can't see a damn thing. But I thought to myself, hey, even if it's a beater, a beater at that price, 
I can't turn my mm. nose up at that. I saw enough detail to see that both thumbs were intact and that there were no elbow cracks. So come on. The condition couldn't have been that far back. And he's got a crush. He's, he's still got yeah, a That's the biggest <laughs> thing. So let me tell you, boys, I was thrilled. For the week after this, I, I just, you know, this is a reason for this hobby. The excitement mm. that you feel when you've got something coming. So you could say you were walking on sunshine. Ah, walking on sunshine. <laughs> I, I got ahead of myself. I started writing the review for this toy because I figured I could shoot it immediately and upload it as soon as this thing arrives. I want to do like a night shoot. I want to also give him like bits of different people's gear um, to like just show Snake Eyes' versatility. Because his first file mm. card hammers on about him being adept in Arctic survival, underwater demolition. So I've got some spare torpedo V1 gear lying around. I felt like Ninja skills, some hacking skills, some fins on him, and uh, and that, everything, some bro. Good chef like, too. You do it all. NC <laughs> uh, Snake guys. But um, as I say, I started writing this review, and man, oh man. Uh, I, I'm thrilled at the prospect of it coming. It eventually did, only one week later, um, because, of course, it's posted wow. domestically. And I pulled it out of its little mailer bag. I mean, this guy, what a chop. He put it in just a bubble envelope. Like, that's how, how loose in the juice this dude is in terms of, I don't know, eBay sales etiquette. But can anyone tell me anything wrong with the picture that I've just flashed on screen? He's very scratched. He's yeah, not as that, black as he should be? I could buff out. He's under sunlight. What I'd like to draw your attention to, and I can't zoom in this program, it seems, but the chest has a little raised, like a little nipple, nipple. right in the middle of his chest. Yeah. Yeah. I see Any that. ideas what that could be? Uh, it's, it's, it's a fairly uncommon condition, but some people have been known to get it. <laughs> Third <Yeah. nipple. laughs> Scaramanga in the the man with the golden gun had that. To be honest, I just thought it was maybe from the mold release. I thought nothing of it, but then I did the side profile and saw that there was a bit of gapping. Hey. Oh, Gary's oh, exactly yeah. screw put in too far. Oh my shit! And it's not a flat head. Uh, oh shit! Uh, this screw in the back of the snake eyes was completely stripped out. But beyond that, someone had tried to drill it out oh, unsuccessfully. Lordy. Not only did they strip away some of the plastic on the inside, but unfortunately they managed to, to screw the back screw in a little bit further, which is why you have this small protrusion on the chest, oh, because no. that is exactly where the screw was going to emerge. Chest Got a burster style. Chest burster coming out there. <laughs> oh no. Exactly. He, he got so screwed, would you man. say... So would you say you rolled snake eyes? <laughs> <laughs> There's a line in the international trailer, which we never actually did get into discussing, but it's a very pointed line. And I don't think it actually occurs in the film in quite a blunt fashion, but <laughs> literally it's Henry Golding in voiceover saying, they call me snake eyes because I've had bad luck all my life something like that and i thought yeah. to myself oh, show don't tell 
<laughs> but as I say, I think in, in the film, they're, they're far cooler about the uh, reveal. Anyways, gents, so I was so absolutely journey. crestfallen. I was like, this sucks. I immediately had it out with the seller. I was like, mate, this is not a used toy. This is damaged. You should have disclosed this. The pictures sucked, but I took a chance on it anyways. Um, and he got pretty defensive pretty quickly. Like he was like, oh no, mate, like the, the, the arms and crotch alone go for like 40 bucks on eBay. I'm like, that's all very fine and well, but like, it's up to the guy bringing money to the transaction to decide whether he's getting fair value or not. Like if someone else is spending $40 for those parts on, on other auctions, like that's their business. That's not mine. Anyways, had a massive powwow and eventually got a refund. Wow. Well, that's good at least. Cause I mean, I, it feels like he can't, he understands how much parts of the toy are going for. And he obviously tried to sell it in separate pieces, but he could have managed to get the screw out. Maybe, but there's, there's also something very fishy about the way this guy conducted himself. Um, because we had a bit of dialogue back and forth because of my rejected offers uh, on eBay, sort of message porthole. Um, he said, yeah, mate, I've got, I've got two of these. They're my childhood ones. I'm like, what? Your childhood snake eyes? So this is a 35 plus year old toy and it's had one owner. That always makes me very excited. I'm like, wow, if I'm getting it from the original owner, it means it's only gone through one set of hands to get to me. Yeah. Um, so when I questioned him about this fix, he suddenly pled ignorance. He had no knowledge of it. And I was like, hmm, either you're lying to me about the fix or you're lying to me about being the only owner or you are suffering from memory loss because only one of those can be true. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he accepted the, well, he refunded me and I, I, uh, I sent him back his snake eyes. But I want to know from you guys, you got to be judges of, of my character at this point. Did I shoot the review? Oh my god. Um, Rob, did I? Yeah, why not? Did I shoot, shoot the review just Hell for yeah, content's sake and then send it back the next day? Yeah, of course you did. Okay. I think I think you definitely did. You took a, you, you took the opportunity. I mean while you Paul, had what do you I think? I don't think you did. I think you wrote up the review and I think you were so disappointed by it that you couldn't review that figure that you weren't gonna keep. It would Bug you. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, surprise, surprise. Here's the link. <laughs> <laughs> it's going live now. Enjoy YouTube. I mean, Kim, I asked Kim, like, what to do in this ethical quandary, shall we say? Uh, and she was like, oh, people do that all the time. They're like, they leave the tags on their clothes, they wear it for a night, and then return it to the shop the next day. I'm like, um, it's not quite the same thing. And also, also, <laughs> There's a very slight but very real possibility that the seller watches G.I. Chopper. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, that, that Snake Eyes figure has a little raised bump on his chest, just like the one that just got returned to me by. Just like that one I tried to, like, uh, you know, <laughs> sell to some sucker. <laughs> and in the live chat, we have Ironmonger saying that he can't see me doing it with a defective toy, but... To be honest, I think I would have done it with a diff no. What I'm hmm. Actually, it was a consideration that I had. If I if I'm being honest with myself, but in a pinch, 
I wouldn't have let that get me down. I would have been kind of creative with the way I shot him. Um, but yeah, it, it did weigh on my mind that I, I would be putting a toy with some some obvious defects to a, a keen eye under very close camera work. Because yeah, absolutely, I'm going to shoot Snake Eyes right up in that vented grill. Um, so yeah, that put me off as well. Also, the fact that I didn't want to run the risk of damaging this thing after we had a powwow and him, him having the, the moral high ground of being like, mate, you didn't return it to me in the same condition I sent it to you. Like, if I had somehow damaged it any further or made any kind of lasting impression on this toy, I would have felt felt like an idiot. So yeah. I didn't also, do it, boys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I figured you wouldn't. But if you did take a bit of footage, it would be cool for when you do your eventual Snake Eyes review, you know, when you get, when you get the one you want. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, man... After the enormous anticipation and then the subsequent disappointment, when yeah, I just I just put it to the back of the shelf and left it there. I I, I couldn't even let it stay with me for the rest of the day. I, I as soon as I'd been refunded, I was like, I'm bagging the sucker up in the same stupid little padded envelope that it came to me in, and taping <laughs> that up and sending it off. Um, and that's me, boys. Gee, what a colorful little um, eBay New stuff. drama. Yeah. That was quite a journey. Yeah. <laughs> if you had you kept it, it would have been such a, a butthurt to try and get it fixed, you know, to try and get it right. And uh, no, you actually, you did the right thing by sending it back as well, in my opinion. Like, there are things that you that are sort of negligible, like had it come with a broken crotch, but it didn't have any of the other issues or something, or had the crotch broken in the packaging. That would have been like annoying, but at least you know there's it's an easy enough fix in that you could try and find a crotch to buy or or like find the arms or something. But like a third nipple on that figure with the the uh, stuff that's broken on the back, no, that's that's horrible. No, you can Just get no. two torso halves from the United States for twenty Aussie dollars, but then it's another twenty to ship. So that's forty bucks that you're parting with to fix your already seventy dollar toy. That's assuming you can get those two halves apart. I imagine exactly. you have to crack crack them apart. But there is an epilogue to the story, <laughs> and I was debating not telling you. Um, but he did put his second one up for auction, <laughs> and I I put in an offer, uh, <laughs> which was declined. But I'm gonna bid for it anyways. And anyone listening to this better not bloody well outbid me. Because I probably will drop this podcast before it closes. Um, and if you are the seller, come on, man. This is Steve from G.I. Joburg. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you know your toy is going to be immortalized in you know one of the coolest reviews version 1.5 Snake Eyes could ever get. Unless he yeah. just listed the exact same one again. <laughs> no, he hasn't received it yet. I have the tracking information for that one. Uh, he could he'd just be using different pictures. <laughs> oh, jeez. This is a anyway, well. <laughs> terrible this, end this... of a story. You win it again, he sends it back to you. This is the exact same figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Good. So, so, some... <laughs> so sometime last year, I'm not entirely sure when, but I put an order for 
It's Boba ah. Fett from the Kenner, or well, the sort of Hasbro sort of retro packaging. And I also got a um, Mandalorian, or sort of, should I say Jin, uh, Din Djarin, um from uh, Mandalorian. But I did receive those figures um, about three days does ago. Boba have a, does Boba have a removable helmet? I don't know yet. I haven't opened these yet. I actually want to do an opening video for this, uh, which I hey. hope, hopefully I can shoot this quickly after the podcast, but we'll see. But I've got one of the uh, Optimus Primes from the Kingdom series, but not the big one. I got the little one, the little core series. And um, I just really love like having this cool little Optimus Prime. And as we're chatting, I've also bought a, a Soundwave, uh, also one of those tiny little Soundwaves from um, Big Bad Toy Store. And I'm looking forward to shipping that my, my way. But anyway, I got What's those. What's the appeal of the, the bite size Transformers, Paul? I just like I mean, them because apart from just being affordable. Them. Yeah, and they're cool to keep on your desk. And I like the detail on those. Like, I think the detail is done really, really well. Um, and the paint jobs are pretty good as well for, the, for that size. Also, um, I still live in hope that I will get myself a Kingdom Megatron. Uh, that's the T-Rex, the... the um, Predacon. Predacon, thank you. I nearly said Maximal. Um, I still uh, live in hope that I'll get myself a Predacon Optimus, I mean, Predacon Megatron. And uh, I think it's just so cool to have them. They're not in scale, okay, as has been, you know, shown to me on the show. Because I thought it would have been cool if they had sort of messed with the scale a little bit. But anyway, having this cool little Optimus versus this giant T-Rex. That just gets me excited somehow. I just think that's really, really cool. So I dig kaiju! that. And, yeah, exactly. It's like a kaiju. And then the other cool thing that happened, it's kind of a new thing. I had to buy a new toaster and a new kettle and a microwave because Celia and I moved into our new place, uh, which is where I'm doing. This is my first recording from the new place. Yay! So Fantastic. this is Bravo. Yeah, this is Basecamp Bravo. This is where we are now situated. It's awesome. It's been a thrilling three days <laughs> of getting everything in this place, hung up on the walls, um, dusted, cleaned, everything. But anyway, so I've got my own little space in this what we now call our home, which is very exciting. Uh, and yeah, so that's been rad. So that's like some serious new stuff. <laughs> and then um, I suppose it's worth mentioning as well that earlier in the week, um, but actually about two weeks ago, my uh, assistant in the studio, um, Ruby, she wanted to get some art books of Amazon and she was a bit scared of ordering from Amazon. So I, I offered to help her with it. And um, yeah, so we ordered her two very cool animation art books on how to, uh, the art of Mitchell's Vista Machines, which is an amazing movie, by the way, and uh, Kung Fu Panda and whatever. And while I was on Amazon, I was like, ah, I'm just going to grab myself a Tila. So I got myself a Teela, yeah, Human Origins Teela. Yeah, because I mean, what would a what would a G.I. Joe Berg podcast in 2021 be without me talking about a He-Man figure? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I got a Teela and I'm very happy with her. She's rad. She's super rad. Um, and it's also something that I couldn't get locally. And I paid a very, very good price for her, $14, which is what she's supposed to be. So yay, go Amazon. Um, so yeah, that's all my new stuff uh, in a nutshell. Uh, but and, yeah, talking about yeah, and? an incredible segue into talking about maybe the main Let's topic of the episode. 
uh, retro mm. toys and retro stylings, and I suppose like stuff that comes out of out of the the recent past. As um, yeah. for those uh, retro, essentially, at least the definition of retro is imitative of a style of fashion from the recent past. And we're going to be talking about yeah stuff that is obviously inspired by stuff that came recently. Tell us more, Paul. Yeah, man. <laughs> so like retro stuff, I'm really loving this, and it kind of started for me. A while back when they started releasing the titans return transformers this is how far back i feel this goes um they started doing these uh great transformers uh, transformer figures uh, which many of our listeners know um but they started re-releasing -re um characters like uh ooh, uh swoop i mean not swoop scourge and blur and um i'm trying to remember the other the name of that other the cool tank that you've got steven Anyway, they just started re-releasing -re really great Transformer toys based on really old designs, and that was magic. That 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 just that was sizzle for me. And uh, Paul, if you're going to talk Transformers, man, like, are we are we only going to talk as as far as like new toys that are ever retro aesthetic? Because reissues, that's a different thing, right? Transformers have been doing reissues since the 2000s. No, true, but they, yeah, no, you're, you're right, but there is a small exception at the moment because you uh -huh. see, like, Swamp Masher, well, um, keep calling him Swamp Masher, um, Bone, uh, Bone Cruncher, is that Bone Cruncher? Skull Cruncher, Skull Crusher. Anyway, like, <laughs> he's never been done before other than his original release. Yeah. And I kind of feel, yes, he's a, a reissue, but at the same time, it is kind of like a bit of a retro revival because they did him in the, in the same scheme um, with the same gimmick that he had back in the old days, except mm. for obviously the power levels in the chest and that kind of thing. And that's just really, really rad. And so that kind of... That oh, kind I'd of argue that Combiner Wars is where it started, man. Oh, he had I all suppose, those Combiner yeah. teams. Yeah. yeah just I slightly before the Titans return. Yeah, I, I think I think it just really hit for me with with Titans Return, just because there were so many more offerings there. I mean, that blur from that figure uh, from that line is so good. Um, it, yeah, he's just really amazing. Um, so yeah, and and I'm, I can happily say Stephen um, got all of those for me as gifts, <laughs> which is so <laughs> bad. So um, cut out the guesswork yeah. for a, a few a few celebrations. <laughs> um yeah so that was pretty cool anyway so like as we went as we, like that sort of started happening and transformers started dipping into some of their older hits and we're sort of reissuing them and then little things started popping up um like ghostbusters started popping up uh he-man i think super seven started doing this like classics he-man line which was just the he-man figures that were just they were just re-releasing the original he-man figures with the same articulation and everything with possibly slightly better face sculpts in some respects and better paint jobs. And that sort of started happening and sort of started checking that out. Um, that was like, that was cool. And then also not that long before then, it kind of also, I suppose, started with Mattel's whole um, Club Etonia with their Masters of the Universe. Um, I think they called them classics or something. I can't remember the, the name of the line now. But anyway, that's just sort of been progressively happening. And now all of a sudden, boom, we're like, We've got animated, um, we've got the real Ghostbusters figures, which have just been released as they were uh, back in the day. Um, this is magic. I mean, I, I, I would love to have gotten these, um, but, you know, just 
just never happened. But like that kind of stuff is cool. That's it's finding its way back in into toy shelves. Um, we've got the the sort of the Ninja Turtles that were reissued and brought into GameStop, which was just the original turtles, slightly different color ski, uh, color hue on the greens and whatever's, but re you know re-released. That's pretty amazing. And yeah, and now like now we've got this happening with something like Ninja Turtles. We've got Super Seven Ultimates, boom, and they're on the screen. So check out that awesome Raphael. I do apologize for the picture quality, but look at that bad boy. I mean. That is the original turtle, sort of reimagined for a modern collector and for for modern toy enthusiasts. And this is where we find ourselves at, boys. It's like all of these cool toys are being re-released in the way that we want them to be, with all the bells and whistles that speak to us heavily of nostalgia. And uh, yeah, and I want to sort of get an idea from you guys. Who do you think is doing this the best at the moment? Like, who do you think is winning this war of the retro toy aisle? You know, I think the consumers are winning personally, but uh, which company do you think is, <laughs> is, is putting out their best foot? Look, I, I'd like to reopen the Super 7 discussion that we had uh, when Tony was our guest two podcasts ago, because there were one or two little bits of information that I, I left on the cutting room floor. Uh, I watched that interview with um, uh, Brian Flynn very closely and took note of the fact that he was saying he had such huge plans for the Super 7 G.I. Joe line that he wants to go deep in the roster. Um, and that because there's such, because the, the, the five POA guys, the reaction guys are such robust figures, they are very cheap to make. They can be made very inexpensively. His words. And I just thought to myself, well, that's a bit of a brazen thing to say when you're charging 18, 19 US dollars a pop. For these figures that by your own admission are pretty inexpensive figures so that's one thing the other thing i i gotta call him on this because i think he watched the master vice very closely when coming up with that first wave and he should because that's gi joe's first foray into animation and those looks those designs those exact kind of the way baroness is presented and snake eyes and the cobra troopers etc uh, is very unique to that initial era, that first blush with G.I. Joe. And he said, oh, man, you got, you got to get um, two diff different kinds of troopers because you got to have the guys with the, the web gear that has an H design on the back and the guys that have the web, web gear with a Y design on the back. And after watching the mass device quite closely again, I think I cracked the code as to who wears what web gear. And it's not just random troopers with, like, animation error. The troopers have a Y-shaped web gear, and the officers, who should have a chevron on their helmets, have the H-shaped back gear. It's as simple as that, literally. Like, maybe they screw it up later on in the, the cartoon series, and maybe that's what he's referring to. But if he's referring strictly to the way they were presented in the mass device, well, then he's talking out of his hat. <laughs> those animators followed the design sheets to the letter and mm. i'd go one further and just say that they only populated the inside of the cobra temple with officers and anytime you had an away mission you know like major blood leading the guys to get the mass device or assault the, the gi joe um satellite or or to get dr vandermeer um 
that's when you saw troopers with the the wire-backed web gear. Anyways, I'm going to kick it over to my man, Rob, who's leading the charge in the retro game. (laughs) Well, I think... I think it's pretty obvious uh, that I think Super 7 is probably the company that's leading (laughs) this retro charge Um, because they're dipping their toes into like dozens and dozens of licenses. So they bring out tons and tons and tons of different lines from, say, Power Rangers. um, They they bring out an absolute... There's there's the first line. So you get a Tyrannosaurus Rex Zord at the same scale as the actual figures themselves. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why. Why would you would want that? And, and once again, why it's, I want it's, that because I pre-ordered one. On. <laughs> <laughs> it's the treatment that they give all of these figures. I mean, they they put a lot of effort into, into the accessories, into you know multiple um, hands and heads. Um, I don't understand this here. I'll Were there two different yellow now. rangers through the yeah. Yeah. line? Maybe there was. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember so that. Three, Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Three Trang played, <laughs> uh, three Trang played the original Trini. Yellow Ranger. Trini. And then yeah, and then her ca- character was named Trini, and then okay. she left um, due to contractual issues. And then sadly, I believe she passed away in a car accident not that long after that. But oh, anyway, um, so th- that's like sort of honoring then. And then Ayesha came in after they did the Power Rangers the movie. So now you can oh, have okay. both versions of, of the Yellow Ranger. Ah, now I understand. Okay. Look at my favorite. Well, that, that's fantastic <laughs> that they do that. Mm. Um, so they've yeah, so they've done Power Rangers. They they've done an absolute ton of um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. Um, every line comes with the with the new turtle as well as you know many of the villains, the popular characters. Um, an absolute. They, they're just going crazy. Um, and it's it's just so it's amazing that that these companies are, you know, I mean, because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think it was Playmates originally. That was the company that produced them. Obviously, yes, yeah. um, Power Rangers is is a Saban. I, I don't know who yeah, the, made their figures Bandai. originally. Bandai. Bandai, Bandai made yeah. them, um, and then obviously GI Joe is Hasbro, and I'm sure they're doing a bunch of other Hasbro properties as well. So I think Super Seven is probably the the companies that that's ahead. But it's not just these independent companies that are licensing stuff from yeah. from 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 the original companies. It's the companies themselves. I mean, Paul, is, mm-hmm. Paul has already mentioned the the Ghostbusters, which are essentially just retro um, updates, you know, of of the original figures that released. And then obviously, Master of the Universe, where where they're doing the Origins line, you know, from He Man to Skeletor to weird characters like Mosquito. And, oh, I can't um, wait for Mosquito. The most powerful character in the whole of Masters of the Universe, Teela. Um, <laughs> oh. oh, boys, we're primed. We are primed for a discussion. Rob, that's a cue if I ever got one. going on and on and on. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. at this point, let's, let's, let's take a little detour and discuss something I'm sure a lot of people are very interested in. Um, <laughs> Paul's opinion, and hopefully mine as well. I did watch it. Um, so recently they I. dropped, okay, all three have seen it. So recently they dropped Masters of the Universe Revelation, a part one, season <laughs> one, part one, um, onto Netflix, uh, directed, conceptualized by Kevin Smith, famous for a bunch of really cool movies that people really enjoyed back in the day. Um, like Dogma, like Dogma, 
chasing yeah. Amy. Obviously, the clocks itself is, is is absolutely awesome. Um, and then later on, he made like weird movies, which I think are cult classics. I imagine like the one with the the weird walrus guy. Uh, that movie is cool though. <laughs> it like... is. Uh, I, I've watched it once. I can't. I can't ever watch it again. It's just. It it's so creeps creepy, me out yeah. too much. Yeah, and that's yeah, a what do you guys think? What what were your impressions of of the show? Oh, I know everybody's waiting for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's I, let's have I, Steve go first. So exactly, I, I I'm contrasting this immediately to Netflix's other '80s toy smash up, that being the, the Transformers trilogy. You know, Siege, Earthrise, and now Kingdom, and those are very lengthy <laughs> i feel it too because mm. there's a lot of padding i realize why i pick them up and put them down just as quickly and it's because you're seeing a lot of great monologuing but not a great deal of action there's a lot of talk yeah. in every episode my goodness all the transformers are so perfectly toy on model like they even have the mm. little ports the little nubs onto which you put the blast effects in the right place like Wow, that is some serious fidelity to the toys. Uh, I presume all of the actual toys and their alt modes and their transformations are scanned in stages, 3D modeled, and they base the, the character models on the toys exactly. Because, yeah, those proportions are too perfect um, for any kind of freehand animation. Any hooch. Contrast that with He-Man Revelations, which has very kinetic action in every episode. I was pleasantly surprised by the budget that went into animating this quite lovingly. Mm. Uh, clearly, they, they, they put a, a great level of investment into this project. For good or for ill, uh, it seems to have been met with some pretty cold fan response and then made worse. And I do follow uh, Midnight's Edge channel um, in this regard made worse by some of the cast members speaking out against fans and not mm. always speaking from the most knowledgeable of places, like more mm. of a guttural knee-jerk reaction from the the characters who voice the leads or the, act mm. <laughs> the actors who voice the leads, <laughs> um, which, man, if you really want to alienate your fan base further, go to it. That said, mm. I love seeing Tila as the protagonist. Uh, I always made her my protagonist because He-Man's proportions suck. <laughs> at least, at, at least he is. He is a bit of a brick, isn't he? <laughs> well, I, I, that's perhaps why I never connected with the the Master of the Universe figures because, like, the only ones who like looked like human beings were the females. And Tila had some cool gear that, like, snake headdress. I mean, mm, yeah. for a guy who's hung hung up on GI Joe versus Cobra. Uh, to have a character who so clearly had like snake iconography was such a win for me. That's why Rob, I used to play with your um, uh, forget his name, Cobra Khan or something. The guy who had like snake arms, the snake dude, yeah, yeah. Oh, he'd, um, he'd snap off his arms and his yes, amazing figure. Like that was when, like the gimmickry of the He Man and Masters of the Universe line really started coming into its own. It's like. Wow, this is a fascinating action figure concept. Love it, love it, love it. Anyways, that's enough for me. Whoa, Steve from the future here with a massive spoiler warning. 
If you don't want Masters of the Universe Revelations to be pretty majorly spoiled and you have every intention of watching the show, well, jump to time code 52 minutes and 52 seconds to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. If you don't give us stuff, well, keep listening. Rob, what did you think, my dude? So, I think... I think overall it's it's a pretty decent show. I I I don't like that He-Man isn't in it. Except for in the first episode <laughs> and basically does. in the last. Um <laughs> because to me it's He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I like Tila, I mm. think she was an interesting support character. But it was in, it was strange to me that they made her the main character. And not because, you know, of, of because of she's a woman or anything like that, but because like her character motivations made no sense to me, mm. you know, like like the reasons why she was upset and and the kind of like the journey she goes on to me at least makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so I think overall it's an okay show. The the fightings are pretty decent, uh, except for in episode two, the poison chalice, and there are multiple animation errors in mm. one scene. I was just like, how do you do this? And then in, re- in re-watching that scene and showing a, a friend of mine, I picked up it even more. And I was like, how does this even happen that you make all these mistakes? I, I feel like they, they obviously, you know, poured all their budget into making this incredible transformation for He-Man in the very first episode. And also in key, very key moments. I mean, they definitely used their money very well. I mean, there's some very cool action sequences. I mean, with Orko and with other characters as well. Um, where there are like this big bombastic scenes. So very well animated. The story itself is just pretty basic, but at least it's easy to follow, I think. So if you have mm. no hangups on He-Man being the main character of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and you don't mind your main protagonist being really, I don't know, annoying, or at least <laughs> someone you can't understand and follow why they're doing what they're doing, then you'll have a good time. I think, mm. uh, but overall, I yeah, I, it left me feeling very negative. My endorsement comes after always like basically passing out of the couch to these episodes. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> so I'm not the, best the first two minutes are really good. <laughs> I like sort of through through the the slits in my eyes, just managed to observe how cool it is seeing Man at Arms take on um, what is it, the Battle Ram, the thing with the yes. big. Those, those cool, yeah. like round things. Those, are, oh, those I mean, so those good. look so cool in in that sequence. And the fight um, between Tila and the sort of the scare glow, you know, her apparition of He Man. Yes, that was the choreography was that of oh, that was terrific. Yeah, that was a fantastic scene. I thought so, I, I enjoyed that sequence. And and fun to see Masters of the Universe combat that was like vehicular, because I must say, like, I never really watched the cartoon much, but you know. Mm. It always seemed like lazy, like a beam comes out of He-Man's sword and the enemies are mm. vanquished. Like we never saw like aircraft and landcraft going at it, hammer and tongs, you know, an all-out assault on Castle Grace. Like I, I don't feel like we got that kind of level of, of action. I could be mistaken. In fact, I probably... No, no. In fact, I should no, stick to no, the right. Joe. Stay in your lane, Stephen. Paul... <laughs> serenade us with your words boy cool okay so uh I, i'm gonna come from two different perspectives here the first one is from someone who has grown up with he-man as a brand 
um, and has a familiarity with the characters and you know likes is really currently enjoying the origins toy line and you know that kind of thing um so from that perspective i enjoyed it because i have seen plenty of episodes with he-man in them uh doing what he-man does i really love the 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 live action movie um you know i i know that that's kind of a controversial statement right there um and i've said so in earlier episodes of gi joeberg as well um but like i feel like you know, we got some cool stuff and I'm going to totally agree with Rob in that I feel like Teela's motivation or should I say Teela's irritation uh, is actually irritating because I feel it's unrelatable in a lot of ways. Um, and I also feel like as that kind of, as a, as a fan, and I'm, when I say a fan, I'm not like this like hardcore Motu fan, but as a, so let's say quasi fan or somebody that's currently really enjoying it. Um, I do feel that maybe this should have been the second season, not the first season, personally. I feel it's got a very, like, Empire Strikes Back kind of vibe. Like, everything's kind of dark. Like, you get introduced to Eternia in this really great place. Um, you know, like Star Wars, it's like, oh, okay, well, cool, we just took out the Death Star. Awesome, everybody's happy. Not that that's how it starts, but it's, it starts in a positive place. And then it gets really dark very quickly. And then all of a sudden it's like Mad Max because like now magic is depleted and all that stuff's going down. And, you know, Tila's on her own little renegade kind of mercenary mission. And, you know, we've got foes becoming friends and all that kind of stuff. And like, I just I thought... I disagree. Like, I think placing us into peril at the top of the season is exactly what it needed to do to give it some urgency because you're only talking about five episodes, man. Yeah, that, okay. But that's the other your, thing, your Empire right? Strikes yeah. Back comment is dead on because it ends with, "Oh, we're in, we're in heaven. You guys died." Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> that's the end. You did. <laughs> we're you in, did. We're in and, an even worse situation. You just got your hand and chopped off and are told that your daddy's the the most villainous guy in the universe. Woo, lovely. And, and that's the thing. It's like so we get dropped into that, and then the other perspective I come from is. Well, this, you know, this is actually, I would say, the tip of the spear when it comes to bringing He-Man back, you know, into, into a new generation, uh, to bringing it to new fans. You know, you've got a bunch of kids that are buying He-Man's Origins toys or whatever it's because their dads um, are big fans, right? And so they're introducing their kids to this. And in some cases, kids are seeing these and just going, oh, these are cool figures. And wow, they're not that expensive, so I can convince mom or dad to buy them for me. And they're smashing them together. And, and that's Mattel's whole angle. Every time you've seen any kind of advertising stuff, it's always dad and his kid or whatever's playing with these toys. So there is definitely a sort of a, a focus on getting the youth involved into uh, with He-Man. So now you bring out your animation tie-in and all of a sudden your main character is killed in like the first episode and you haven't given your audience, your new audience, a chance to actually understand who He-Man is. And I think that is a serious misstep and I understand why fans are upset, um, but I just feel like maybe introduce people to this character, to He-Man himself and then take him away the way that they did, and then play out the whole Tila saga. I think that would have worked out much mm. better because then people would have felt the real loss. The people who are feeling the loss of He-Man are us, the people who know He-Man. I'm sure a lot of kids are like, 
oh, He-Man's actually not that cool. He just kind of gets pewed in like the first episode. Okay, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I seem deal. to fall into that category because yeah, yeah, like you're absolutely right, Paul. Like the marketing push for this from Kevin was like, this is a love letter to the fans. This is how you imagined those cartoons in your memory to, to look and feel. Like this is for you. But by the same token, they take out the, the pivotal character that fans of Master of the Universe back in the day connected with first, that being the titular exactly. He-Man. Um, so no. you're alienating the old fans. And then what you said just now, you're alienating new fans by not letting them experience what the classic sort of roster of He-Man and the Master of the Universe would be. You're kind of having it in this kind of discombobulated, fractious fashion. Um, but man, whatever. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but once no, again, that's the thing. I and saw, like... saw it while I was on fumes. <laughs> I'm on a local He-Man group. And they, the, one of the guys asked, hey, what do your kids think of this? And people are like, oh, my kids love that. They love the action and all that stuff that's going down. And then one guy actually said, but my kid can't understand why I like He-Man so much because he got taken out in the first episode. And I was like, ha, that's exactly my point. <laughs> when it comes to retro and the revival of um, older properties, I think it works a lot more. It works easier in toy format um, where you can kind of like disconnect from actual stories and just enjoy the mm. characters themselves and the figures and what they're doing with them. Um, I think it's been very difficult for everyone, you know, from Kevin Smith to whoever else, to Disney, to all of these different companies to kind of revive um, a property and make it relevant to today, but also interesting and, and catchy to the original fans. I think everyone, I can't think of a single thing right now that actually has made everyone happy. Hmm. There, there seems to be yeah. some sort of divide on every single thing that's come out from, from say, the Star Wars sequel trilogy now to this. Um, but for the plastic to have any kind of media push, you've got to pick a cannon. You've got to side with something. G.I. Joe yes. is either a domestic American, real American hero task force, or they're a global force. You either rewrite the origin from a Vietnam vet to a member of a gang like it's you can't you can't have it both ways you have to pick a side and mm. the side that wins out will be the side that is most politically palatable because at the end of the day hasbro mattel what have you these are public companies and their image is crucial also if something is slightly off kilter something slightly like retro in a distasteful way or something that that kind of offends sensibilities of the most easily offended because they have to be your kind of uh, your your acid test. Like if mm. it if it if it hits if it tweaks someone who is quite sensitized to this stuff, then you're immediately going to cause correct away from that. Mm. So also, here we are mm. in the the 2020s, you know, really having to rewrite canon. Um, or what we considered canon because things have to move with the times. But you said something interesting there, Rob, like we should just let the toys be toys. Mm. Um, and, and that reminded me of a, of a little debate that I almost had internally that like, 
Lifeline is a pacifist in both comic book and cartoon who doesn't touch weapons. But he's pictured on his card art holding a pistol <laughs> and he actually comes with an accessory. This isn't just a, a holster and the suggestion of a gun. This is an actual physical accessory that he can put in his hand. How do you reconcile that? Well, Kirk, Kirk Bazigian was always very clear on the point that the comics have their canon, the cartoons have their canon, and the toys, we have our own canon. Canon, yeah. Nowhere on Lifeline's file card does it say that he's an avowed pacifist. It does on Docs, but not on Lifeline's. And a medic in the field with soldiers, I think in most militaries, is entitled to, and, and perhaps strongly advised to carry a sidearm. No, if for no other reason than weapon, like yeah. personal defense, yeah. just, you know, the threat of force if a situation arises. I mean, you can't, you'd be foolish to send a, someone completely unarmed into a, a f open fire conflict zone. Sure. And also, sure. you know, war zones are Military experts just... take me to task in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> but also like, but now you guys, you know, you guys also touched on this thing now as well with, you know, the toys, for example. Like, how is it that Mattel, because Rob mentioned that Super 7 is doing a fantastic job of the retro revival. And, and I have mm -hmm. to say, I definitely agree with that. Um, although I would say the people that are beating them just by a smidge is Mattel. And this is my argument for that. You can see with like the Origins figures, they are pretty much the exact same designs as their retro stuff, except for having extra articulation. They even have like the same proportions for the uh, for better or worse. And in some regards, yeah, fine. The face sculpts on like He-Man, for example, are different. And they listen to fans because now the current He-Man releases, I think it's the uh, yeah th wave three or four or whatever of normal single-carded He-Man comes with his old school face which I'm going to show here, it's kind of, it's pictured on Faker. Okay, you can see it sort of blurry in the background there. But that's the head that they've now given He-Man because a lot of fans were like, oh, well, we want that. Basically, the, the point I'm trying to get at is what, Matt, what Mattel's doing right is they're giving fans exactly what they want. They're going, hey, we know you love this thing. We're just going to give you this thing with better articulation uh, because your kids will probably enjoy playing with, with it more. And that's what turned me onto it. I was like, wow, as soon as I saw that they had this kind of articulation, I was like, yeah, I'm in there. Like that, that made it magical for me. So by that same token, why can't they just take the original series, for example, the formation series? Not that, the, I mean, I understand there's rights and all that kind of stuff. But then why don't we just tell that story? But like, let's animate it for, for this generation. Let's Let's make it more accessible. I know that that has its own like sort of like mess to deal with. But I mean, devil's advocate, let's take G.I. Joe. Let's take uh, the Master Vice. Let's give that, that um, miniseries or let's give anything actually from G.I. Joe. Let's give it to the same guys who did the Seaman show or to the guys who did Castlevania, which I believe are actually the same company um, to some degree. But let's give it to them and ask them, hey, guys, just retell this, these exact same episodes, this miniseries, like updated for today, like you did with like, and that would be amazing. Like, and that's kind of what I feel like fans kind of want from the toys in a lot of ways. We don't really, really want massive super redesigns. We appreciate them if they're cool, but we also resist them like quite hard when, when they're not as cool as we want them to be. And I'll give you a good example of something that I personally feel is a super winner is 
Grimlock from the Transformers Studio Series 86. That's like, that's just a beefier version of classic Grimlock. I don't know why they took so long to do, just do this. I mean, I know there's the Masterpiece version, but this is it. This is amazing. This is great for me. I know people have their, their problems with this toy. But this is this toy is the masterpiece version that you can actually play with because you don't have to be afraid of paint scratches and chrome chipping. Yeah, no, agreed. The yeah. Studio 86 Transformers seem to be a win from my perspective. Uh, Paul, mm. have you had any quality control issues on them? Uh, dude, uh, if, if, I, if you look at... I, when I say quality control, this is just a nitpick. But if I go down, if you look on this image that I'm looking at of Grimlock... Um, on his leg, you'll see there's like a little, he's also got a little bit of a nipple there on his uh, sort of, uh, on his thigh, should I say, at the back of his thigh. It's, it's really tiny there. It's because the screw has been pushed too hard there. So it's popping there a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. That's a bit of an irritation. But that I believe I some people shattered their jazz, like jazz's um, roof is particularly frail. I don't know. I speak total hearsay here because. I have not been keeping tabs with. Yeah, I I can't take the plunge on modern transformers because I just feel like I'm rebuying the same things, right? <laughs> constantly. No. So I, you know, I, I I rest assured that back home I do have a masterpiece Grimlock sitting in a cupboard, so I don't need to buy. That's an why update. you don't need to buy one. Exactly. You know, and like from. But the, I do admit yeah. they are attractive toys, and they're positioned very attractively and. Beast Wars, to anyone who grew up in the 90s, is so your jam. Absolutely. Mm. I, I really time. had to like peel myself away from a Dinobot that was priced to go. Ooh, and Paul <laughs> is now showing us the, once again, very in the 90s style, but the Marvel Legends that are done up to look like the cards from the 90s. The Uncanny Yeah, like the Toy Biz figures. So like this oh, is also, once beautiful. again... They're just giving us what we had, but just a little bit better. And it just makes it so cool. You know, got, now these, to these toys are the kind of toys that you want to keep on the card because you take them off the card and they're just Marvel Legends. But you leave them on the card and they've just got all those design touches that really made for some striking cards back in the 90s. Back when all this mm. stuff was coming out and like, well, Rob, you and I had eschewed G.I. Joe completely in favor of being swept up in the magic of, oh, of the X-Men. I mean, they made so many of these and they were all so good. And that's kind of the point I'm making and kind of the point I'm hearing from Paul here mm. is that the toys generally, whether it's the original companies themselves, Mattel making He-Man or Hasbro making uh, Star Wars Retro or Super 7 making, you know, mm. these are uh, their ultimate lines or NECA with their, their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, movie figures and whatever else they've been doing. It's they are much closer to the definition of retro, imitative of a style of fashion from the recent past. They imitate what was, but improve on it, you know, to bring it into the now. Then say the the, the media tie-ins really have been. Mm. Um and I think definitely who's who's winning in the in the in the in the toy our retro wars? We are. You know, the fans of these these properties and hopefully Damn all right. the new kids today mm. who are seeing these incredible figures, you know, and and hopefully bringing themselves into these 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 things that their parents and their grandparents and whoever else love. Well, speaking um, of grandparents, has anyone seen the Mego offerings? The Snake these... Eyes and a Storm Shadow. 
These look so cool. You it like just them. makes me think. I think they're awesome because they they just That's feel awesome, like Mego, you know. Yeah, because they look like, like I remember Twisted Toy Fair Theater. Yes, exactly yeah. from the, the the Toy Fair magazine, and it's just so cool that you can you now have them in that style. And I think <laughs> they've done a style. really good job. It's crappy, but it's also very good. I mean, like look at Snake Eyes. I mean, like he's got really cool like like leather pants and like like stitched onto his outfit. Um, and the, the, the accessories have been um, obviously uh, adjusted to the Mego style. I mean, there, there's a level of detail, but there's also a level of just not smoothness, but it it, it suits the Mego figures. And well, they I fit think those in accessories quite well are... with all the figures. Aren't those accessories better than Mego's typical offerings? I mean, like, this is not something that you would have gotten on a Mego figure in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 beautiful. Like the accessories actually almost outstrip the figure in a in a sense, because uh, if I look at old Snake Eyes, like the sort of pleather portions of his uniform uh, are kind of crappily done. He kind of looks like, <laughs> but it's like purpose. a cosplay. It looks like a cosplay, <laughs> don't you think? Like someone's yeah, just that's... sewn patches onto like a black <laughs> shirt or like overall. <laughs> but this is the Mego style, though. They know, always looked not crap, but they looked um, like that. Like you could have made them yourself, essentially. They look Mego. Mego yeah, looks yeah. Mego, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they're, they're kind of like like, and their their boots are like essentially like rain boots. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the classic Mego boot. Uh, For me personally, I like imagine that it would be are... tough to put those on. Like, don't you often like like lose feet? Oh, geez, yeah. Boots? How would you do that? Yeah, you'd have to like, depending on the articulation of the foot. Because I mean, the, the big draw with Migo is like undressing your action figures. Well, well, well. Wasn't it uh, the, the famous gag in Toy Fair that like the Hulk was just all smooth down there? Yeah, and yeah. he was always naked. I <laughs> oh, think. No, no, he had ass cheeks. Like his his butt cheeks were yeah. actually like individually sculpted. Yeah, like, there's a quite a deep crack so he Hulk the guys always had him nude what is it uh, what <laughs> is it the, the one line that from this that always stuck with me is like hulk can count to 20 on hands and feet 21 if pads down but yeah oh, man like those those heady days man i was really hit with a massive nostalgia wave when hearing talking joe's latest interview with josh blaylock just oh, talking yeah. about how how the devils do thing how devils do acquired the gi joe license and how like this retro revival was on everyone's minds except the people that held those licenses like exactly. hasbro they were like why does anyone want optimus prime to be a red truck optimus prime is you know a monkey <laughs> like, come on like what are these old designs that you you wh why do you want a dominatrix and a gangster in and a pimp in gi joe and it's like no these are your characters guys have you forgotten your own damn characters anyways it, it just brought it into screaming relief that um we were on we were we were living that history guys we are old enough to have seen how the the 80s nostalgia wave has risen from like no one giving a damn to suddenly like it being everyone giving huge a huge business yeah, mm. yeah yeah 
And also, like, like we remember those like, issues of Wizard Magazine, right? Uh, thank you. I was yeah. just about to say, I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I love that Jay Scott Campbell artwork of Optimus, uh, like Snake Eyes is in the front, Optimus Prime is there, Megatron's there, there's a Valkyrie from Macross there, Robotech if you prefer. Um, there's, uh, <laughs> I think, Battle Cat and He Man is on that shot. There's a Baroness. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful shot. Wow. Mm. Uh, and I remember seeing that and going, Oh my word! This has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the yeah. spark that that lit this all-encompassing flame. Like shortly after that, I think Josh started trying to market T-shirts without holding the license of like the Autobot symbol, the Decepticon symbol, Cobra symbol, mm -hmm. in places like Hot Topic <laughs> and keychains and and magnets and stuff. And eventually, like the sales just went through the roof and got Hasbro's attention. They're like, "Why did you want all this old tat?" He's like, because like anyone in their twenties right now will want it. And everybody in their twenties, well, that back then, everybody in their twenties has now has now got money to want it. You know? They're hitting that point yeah. where they're missing their childhood. They want to <laughs> well, it's spend a great, money. It's a great story. Like like they, they they weren't going to be able to get the, the license. Um and then like Josh was like, Well, tell your person to ask anyone in the office if they would wear a t-shirt with an Autobot symbol, ask. And they immediately shot back and were like, okay, we'll, we'll make these t-shirts with you. Something like that. <laughs> Go listen to the interview. No. I think what also allows retro stuff to, be, to exist is because they were taking so many chances and they were actually trying crazy shit in the 80s and the early 90s. You know, they were actually mm -hmm. um, original ideas, original stories, original things. And that's what that's what's allowing this retro wave to occur. I don't think we're going to get a retro wave of stuff that came out, say, two thousands, twenty twenties. I, th um, I don't even think we we just retro is going to essentially mean stuff from the eighties and stuff from the nineties at some point, um, because everything else is being repeated now, at least you know media wise, and to a lot of people, it's very. I mean, it doesn't please everyone like it like mm -mm. like it did back then. Not that it mm. pleased everyone back then either. You know, there were fans of it, but today it seems like you, everyone has to be a fan of something, no matter what. And mm. uh, make up your own minds. Do you know? Enjoy what you like. Don't enjoy other things. <laughs> make up your own minds about what you enjoy, and yeah, go and for put it. your money where you, you want. Know, regardless it, of you what know. other people. Yeah, exactly. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, spend the money and let the companies know what you enjoy. Um, and don't worry what other people are going on about. Um, except for us, of course, you know, always listen to what <laughs> Um, but like on the, by that very token, like there aren't that many original IPs that have come out in the early two thousands that I feel would have strong enough legs as, as a retro revival in the form of toys. But what we are definitely seeing is a lot of video games. Uh, getting that kind mm. of revival because video games are obviously the, the they're the big kids in the in the school ground right now, and um, so we're getting things like a re-release of a re-release and remake of Dead Space, which was arguably one of the best games to come out of the early two thousands, um, which is now finally happening on, happening on modern technology, and we we're getting a bit more of that feel coming back into gaming, uh, but I don't want to I don't want to stray that far. I just thought it'd be worth mentioning. 
Uh, yeah, but also, there are retro yeah. things occurring, but I don't think toy-wise. Like, like there are no major ones, toys yeah. that came out in the 2020s that will be come back again, say, 20, 30 years from now. And also, Rob, uh, you wanted to know, why would somebody want to buy a T-Rex Zord from Power Rangers that yeah. is the same size as the rest? I'll tell you why. Because they've done it properly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like... The, the, every time they've done a toy of the Zords, with the exception of like the Chokugan or the really high, like sort of flying brands, like the the high flying collectibles, uh, which Super Seven kind of is to a degree, we've never really gotten the T Rex Zord with really great articulation and with that sort of feel that it looks like it's from the show. And that, when you look at that Zord and you compare it to the version in the show, it looks pretty much the same. And that's an awesome thing. Plus, they give you these little scale miniatures of the red ranger you know to put on oh. top of it like it's standing there which is so rad and I'm i always wondered where the red ranger sits where does anyone actually sit in their zord in the head uh, in the chest in the normally chest. in the head it's normally in the head but it's then they all the shift into <laughs> but yeah. i mean like when, when it all transforms together i mean like they all get transported no away into the chest there's no like cutscene like in in classic manga like animation or mecha like TV shows. There'd be an animation of them kind of being sucked through tubes and then like things yes. kind of internally trans transforming. But Power Rangers, we didn't get that. Just all of a sudden, magically, they kind of like they kind of drop <laughs> drop into that set. Um, but I did also want to say I can think of at least one episode. And I'm sure there are plenty more of Power Rangers where you had scaled up monsters like Goldar fighting the Zords. So yes. you can have a situation where your uh... individual figures are the same size as the Zords. And, oh man, <laughs> right here on YouTube, boys, does anyone remember Power Rangers, bitch? Yeah. It's like one of the earliest YouTube parodies where these guys <laughs> just, they just read up an episode. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no, man. It's, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, what's he say? Just my salad. <laughs> Just my salad. I'm gonna kill a crab. Oh, crabs! I can't get any more of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like consecutive. Anyways, Power Rangers bitch. Google it. Um, but in that episode, the Putties they have like they have like facsimiles of the Power Rangers, and those mm. guys get upsized by Rita Repulsa. Make yeah. my monster grow. <laughs> so yeah, with my pointy boots, that's, which I never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in that situation, you had oversized, like Power Ranger doppelgangers fighting. Well, I, I guess my Power Rangers knowledge is as strong as your guys'. Um, you oh, just definitely that, sold me. I watched that parody way too often, man. I showed it to Kim <laughs> the other day. She's like, "I'm oh, just egg roll two ninety nine. I did not have any. I did not have any information here right now about this, but I'm hoping that all of those Zords can combine to become a bigger Megazord, because that would be amazing. Don't hold um, your breath, Deep Six. Uh, I'm not, I'm not yeah, it's difficult to get a well-articulated figure and make it transformable, which is why often, I think these days, you often see the like Optimus Prime action figure or the you know Megatron action figure, where they're just figures and they don't actually transform. No, yeah, no, this agreed. Is, this but is you can hope. Seven we're talking about the reaction transformer stuff. Were action masters basically with less articulation, ironically. Um, yeah, leave but, the transform uh, the actual transforming to Hasbro and Bandai and Takara. 
But I've got a feeling, yeah, well, that's why I'm saying if the, if the Chokugan, if the DX Chokugan Megazord, or should I say Dino Ranger, uh, Dino Ranger uh, could, uh, Megazord could do it, um, then I have faith that maybe they can do it. Uh, uh, Super 7 hasn't said anything. They haven't said it doesn't transform. Mm. They just, they've just anything put the figures up. Anything can happen. Yeah, anything could happen. Anything's possible. And on that, um, I, I just want to just also say, by that token, I've also pre-ordered Tommy, the Green Ranger, for myself. Because if I'm going to own a Power Ranger, it's got to be Tommy. <laughs> so Gentlemen, can we open up Postbox the Pit? Of course yeah. you can. Got a lovely, lovely message from Greg. Between the dates of 23 to 28 June 2021, three brave Joes were dispatched to the great state of Texas on a reconnaissance mission. During their assignment, their missions took them in different directions. Wild Bill was sent to the Alamo. He was about to enter the Alamo Church building to learn the very interesting history of the sacred ground. Next, Maverick was sent to the Houston Space Center to collaborate with NASA. While taking a break from briefing them on his experiences in the field, he took some photos for his scrapbook. He's pictured here standing in front of the mock-up of the space shuttle called the Independence and the 747 shuttle carrier aircraft, both of which you can walk through. Also, he found time to walk through the halls of the complex only to stumble across this beautiful mural while touring Saturn V building. He noted the similarity of the dolly mechanisms that supported the Saturn V rocket to the ones that supported the Defiant shuttle complex as seen in the enclosed file photos. Finally, Snake Eyes was pulled from Jungle Ops in Central America and sent to the coastal city of Galveston on its own secret reconnaissance mission. This turned out to be more R&R than actual work, as seen in the photos at the pool bar. In the end, the missions were accomplished with no loss of life or property. Yojo Berg. This turns oh. out to be Greg's vacation snaps that he snuck oh. some Joes into. And it just made me think about all the great times when, as a child, and <laughs> even as an adult, a G.I. <laughs> Joe was always going to be my constant companion on any kind of road trip, field trip, uh, family holiday. I think we all have memories of doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. I've got a great story Absolutely. about that I can share with you guys, like, super quickly. Uh, Celia and I do? were having lunch uh, last weekend uh, while we were just doing our house shopping. And we sat down at a, at a coffee shop called Food in Cresta. And uh, we were just going through things, eating our brunch or doing brunch and whatever. It was actually a brunch, not lunch, whatever. doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, and in, the, in the, the coffee shop, there's like a bowl. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like a bowl full of like fizzes, uh, um, fizz pops, those uh, suckers. They're all cherry flavored suckers. And Celia loves those things. And so she looked at them. She's like, oh, I wonder how I get one of those. And I'm like, oh, you just have to ask. And she's like, okay, cool. Anyway, we carried on chatting. And then eventually we got to the point where we paid for the bill. And on the way out, I actually asked one of the waiters, uh, one of the waiting staff there. I was like, hi, sorry, how do we get one of these fist pops? She's like, oh, you have to be like five years old. So I'm like, okay, cool, check. <laughs> and she's like, no, but a child. I'm like, no, no, I am a child. I'm just a big one. And then she's like, but you also have to have a toy. And I was like, oh, okay. And I pulled Storm Shadow out of my jacket pocket. What? <laughs> <And> <laughs> massive smile on her face. She was like, Oh my word, I'm like, yep, this is a vintage G.I. Joe toy and I take it with me everywhere uh, uh, and sometimes it has friends. She's like, okay, you can have a sucker, you win. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. That's awesome. Um, right? How cool is that? Like, it is so perfect. 
she's obviously like she's trying not to give me a sucker because she's trying to make it like difficult so i'm like no i'm actually gonna die <laughs> got him got him <laughs> nice. which is well rad. thank you greg for reaching out and giving us that awesome story if you want to contact us well just scroll on down the comments section either here on youtube or in any podcatcher if you listen to us there and you could also leave a review um we don't get many of those but they're useful somehow also if you don't mind leaving a like for this video on the youtube version that'd be great thanks uh yeah cool. and, and if you'd like to get hold of us in a more long format if you'd like to send us pictures or hey even a voice note maybe a real south african hero at gmail.com go to town and while we're here, I would just like to welcome the new Patreons, the new Bergforce members to G.I. Joe Berg. Our new members are Scuba Pete, Tim Wilde from Saints on Cinema, Hans Chow, and Justin Hopkins. Guys, welcome to the Bergforce. We're so glad to have you here. I hope you've been checking out some of our awesome, exclusive downloadable content that is available only to the Bergforce. And uh, thank you for, for, for signing up and for enlisting to the book force yep um, and if you're curious as to the exclusive content well just pay us a buck and you're in and then you can drop the subscription once you've downloaded it all <laughs> exactly <laughs> awesome that's and, what i do and supporting the channel does mean that we get cool stuff um to to review to talk about it gives us the chance to be able to take care of things like Streamyard. It really does give us a lot of freedom so every everybody on this list you guys are all heroes thank you very much you're definitely helping us uh, keep the channel glowing. And uh, also, just want to mention, I have been saving this guy for a while, which I feel needs to be unboxed soon. And I've just been waiting what for What guy is that, moment. Paul? You can check him out. It's a Cobra Hiss. It's a retro Cobra Hiss in the spirit of this episode. So I'm going to shoot some footage, and hopefully my internet is up by Monday or Tuesday for me to upload it. And you guys can check what my unboxing slash review of the Cobra Hiss to um, to co coincide with Stephen's one that he did earlier. And, <laughs> yeah, old uh, news, bro. Old news. And I've got another secret opening, uh, secret uh, figure that I'm going to be opening, but I won't tell anybody what that is. That'll just be in a YouTube um, video, which the Patreons will see first, and then everybody else can check it out. Um, and guys, if you're keen, if you want to join the book, uh, if you want to support the book force, but maybe you're not a Patreon guy or you are a Patreon guy, but you, I don't know, you just like to wear cool stuff, check out our merchandise right there and on our teespring.com store. It's really super cool stuff. I really dig it. I, uh, I'm going to start getting my hands on some of them here locally now, now that I'm in a proper fixed location. And, uh, yeah, so check out our cool GI Joe book merch. And with that, Guys, I have um, link in the description below. Just yeah, run out of steam, guys. Below. But hopefully, the retro revival will not run out of steam anytime soon. Keep Join us stronger. next time when we'll talk about awesome, amazing GI Joe stuff. Maybe, maybe, yes, <laughs> and maybe even a little bit of Transformers that I didn't get to touch in on. But I just want to say. Dinobot, that whole Dinobot scene was very touching for me personally. Carrying on. <laughs> so, oh, oh, buddy, oh. I just watched a scene that played out in a very tight corridor where the three Predacons, Black Arachnia, Dinobot, and Megatron, are running from like pelting firepower, like coming at them down this corridor. They stop and have, I'm not even joking, a two minute dialogue. 
maybe even longer. <laughs> and the animators yeah. do bother to keep up the volleys of firepower, like sort of zipping past them. No one has found any cover. Like <laughs> what was a peril like two seconds ago now isn't going to interrupt their, their like massive scene. <laughs> also, you guys are making I, me want to watch these things. I'm also would it's like tedious, to man. But but I have to say, I've always had a, an affinity for Megatron. Always felt like he's he believes he's doing things for the good of every Cybertronian, be they Autobots or or Decepticon. This show really does a great job of showing how a conflicted Thank leader you. Megatron is. So yep. there's that redeeming factor, but you've got to wade Oof. through a lot of lengthy scenes, just like yes, a lot of exposition. Robots talking in Megatron's throne room in his briefing chamber, like, oh. And I've let's got have a some question. Plot. For... Let's have some catalyst. <laughs> I've also got a question for all of our listeners, which I'm hoping you can all respond to in the comments or in the next episode of GI Joeberg. But uh, do you think that the Maximals and Predacons actually transform? Or do you think that the robot forms jumps out of scene and it is replaced by a robot <laughs> animal form? Because I have not seen them transform in the show. So uh, it's, maybe I'm it's missing something. It's a bit of a joke, isn't it? It's like, yeah. wow, are they going to cut before they transform? Oh, yeah, they cut again. And I know now they're in their alt modes. Okay, great. Thanks. Transformers. <laughs> yep. Just want to put that out there. Because they're so toy accurate, they could have just made them transform like the toys. But anyway. Well, also, Tony Hasbro anyway. wants you to buy two of everything so you don't ever have to transform them. That's, exactly. that's marketing in action. That's the real is. dream. And yeah, next time, yeah, yeah. Next time I want to have a tra I wanna two Transformers so I never have to transform them. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. <laughs> but cool, guys. Sweet. It's been awesome. It's been amazing. Um, I hope that we have sparked some great conversations in our comments and amongst our listeners about retro toys, retro revival, etc, etc. Or should I say the Absolutely. Retro Which is your favorite retro revival? Scroll on down and check it out. And let us know. Yeah. Are you one of those people that is just like me buying all the Super 7 Ninja Turtles? Well, not all of them, but are you cherry picking some of your retro releases or are you going full steam ahead? Castle Grayskull, Masters of the Universe, Origins, Ghostbusters, uh, what else is there? Silver Hawks. Power Rangers. Or are you just I... buying Snake Eyes from 1983? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or are you excited no. about the Mego figures? Are you like part of the small group that is excited about the Mego figures? And I'm not dissing you. I think I, I, they're completely lost on me, but I want to hear. Tell me. Sell them to me. L let me know why they're so awesome to you. Cool. And with that, I think we're going to wiggity whack out. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Ow! Wicked, wicked, ow! Here we go, here we go, here we go, out, out. Go. Yeah, and with that, a big <laughs> yo, Joe. Berg. Berg, 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 Berg. From the windows to the Berg. The windows to the bird. Let it go. Anyway, need for speed, damn it. Cool.